Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B guy here. And today, the H1B guy live, March 30th, 2022. Today, I'm going to cover H1B lottery selections that have occurred in the past week. USCIS addresses their backlogs. And we're also going to take your questions and comments. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. And you can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguide.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada. The ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. And by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex PERM recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. Well, we are a week removed from my last live stream, which occurred last Wednesday, uh, where we talked about at length uh, H-1B visa alternatives for those of you who may not be selected um, in the pending H-1B lottery selection. And also where we asked the question about where are the results uh, as the H-1B lottery for fiscal year 2023 closed on Friday, March 18th at noon uh, Eastern Standard Time. And well over, you know, three plus business days. And if you add in the weekend, a couple of more days were, were involved in that gap. Um, and as I went on and discussed, uh, you know, at length last week, I really felt like results would start coming out within uh, the next 24 to 48 hours. And I started receiving um, a lot of uh, messages from, from many of you. And I really appreciate your follow up and, and keeping me posted and engaged um, that you began receiving notifications, some of you late Friday, but many of you on Saturday and even into Sunday. And so when we start to look at the timeline, you know, that basically means that USCIS took a week to run their electronic selection. And it also means that, um, you know, they started to report on those. I still have not seen any official numbers on the amount of individual names that were received by USCIS for the H-1B lottery for fiscal year 2023. Um, I've heard reports that have a pretty wide range from anywhere between 290,000 to over 400,000. Um, I don't know the accuracy of those rumors, so I'm really interested to see uh, what the total number will be. Um, I went on record a couple of months ago and said that I expected it to be over 310,000 this year. Uh, but if we start to talk about 400,000, that's, that's just astronomical especially when we start to look at 400,000 for 85,000 allotted visas uh, annually, 65,000 for bachelor's foreign nationals, uh, as well as master's, advanced U.S. master's, another additional 20,000. 
Just yesterday, USCIS posted a news release that was titled H-1B Initial Electronic Registration Selection Process Completed. The article or the release says, quote, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services has received enough electronic registrations during the initial registration period to reach the fiscal year 2023 H-1B numerical allocations, including advanced degree. We randomly selected from among the registrations properly submitted to reach the cap. We have notified all prospective petitioners with selected registrations that they are eligible to file an H-1B cap subject petition for the beneficiary named in the applicable selected registration. Registrants' online accounts will now show one of the following statuses for each registration, that is, for each beneficiary registered. So you'll see submitted, the registration has been submitted and is eligible for selection. If the initial selection process has been completed, which it already has, this registration remains eligible unless subsequently invalidated for selection and any subsequent selections for the fiscal year for which it was submitted. So this means that you will see submitted on your, your account. Um, and if not showing as selected, that means that, that you are still eligible um, for selection if a second or third lottery is held uh, throughout the remainder of uh, the fiscal year and even kind of into the following. You also may see the term selected. Selected means to selected to file an H-1B cap petition. Uh, others that you could see denied or invalidated failed payment. So for fiscal year 2023 H-1B cap petitions they may be filed beginning april 1st the news release goes on to say h1b cap subject petitions for fiscal year 2023 including those petitions eligible for the advanced degree exemption may be filed with uscis beginning april 1st 2022 if based on a valid selected registration only petitioners with selected registrations may file h1b cap subject petitions for fiscal year 2023 and only the beneficiary named in the applicable selected registration notice. An H-1B cap subject petition must be properly filed with the correct service center and within the filing period indicated on the relevant registration selection notice. The period for filing the H-1B cap subject petition will be at least 90 days Online filing is not yet available for H-1B petitions, so petitioners filing H-1B petitions must do so by paper. Petitions must include a printed copy of the applicable registration selection notice with the fiscal year 2023 H-1B cap subject petition. When we receive a timely and properly filed H-1B cap subject petition, the petitioner and if applicable, the petitioner's legal representative, attorney or paralegal, will be provided a form I-97, uh, excuse me, a form I-797 notice of action communicating receipt of the petition due to increased filing volumes typically seen during the H-1B cap filing periods. There are in instances where a petition is timely and properly filed, but issuance of the form I-797 is delayed. If a petitioner has uh, has confirmation from the delivery service that the petition was delivered, but they have not yet received a form I-797 confirming receipt of the petition, i.e. that's receipt notice, the petitioner should not submit a second petition. If more than 30 days has passed since the confirmation of delivery and the petitioner has not received a form I-797, the petitioner may contact the USCIS contact center for assistance. 
good luck getting responses on that. Right. Um, you know, I, I think there's a few things that we've learned here. The, the first thing that we've learned here is that the portal opened up on March 1st. The portal closed on March 18th. Selection notifications were sent beginning on March 25th and 26th. And if you haven't heard by now, you most likely were not selected. Filing period for petitioners on behalf of the beneficiary begins on Friday, April 1st, and has at least 90 days. So that puts us to June 30th. So let's just backtrack through all of that, right? April 1st to June 30th, you've got 90 days to fire a file a paper petition. You've got to include a printout of the selection notice. I, I, I mean, when we start to look at what's going on here, they're they're taking over 300,000 names. They're running a random electronic selection. And then they're telling uh, petitioners that everything has to be filed in paper plus a printout of the selection notice. They're also saying that receipt notices are going to experience significant delay. And if you haven't gotten the confirmation of receipt within 30 days to contact the service center, like the service center is going to give anyone an answer on where the receipt notice stands. Uh, so what does that mean when we go back and look at the submitted portion of this news release? Um, that basically means that once June 30th comes and goes, uh, USCIS most likely within the next two weeks uh, will have gone through and approved or at least understands the allocation and the response rate um, of those that were initially selected in the first round here. Uh, I think it still leads us to a timeline that shows us sometime mid to late July, we could see a subsequent second electronic lottery held. If that were, be, if that were to be the case, um, I would open up that that application period starting in the beginning of August. And most likely if that runs 90 days, you're looking at that running through the end of October, beginning of November. So a lot going on here, a lot of moving parts. There still is a possibility for some of you out there that you may have not heard if you were selected or not. Uh, maybe your employer's been out on spring break. Maybe the attorney's out. Maybe notice just hasn't been received, although it's sitting in there, my USCIS account, and you're anxiously awaiting. Uh, but if you've not heard by Friday, um, you, you were not selected. And I would go as far as to say, if you haven't heard already today, as of 2.10 Eastern Standard Time, you were most likely not selected. I do have several success stories that I've been able to, to, to hear over the last few days. Um, I am aware of a couple of individuals that literally got their name in around 11.30 East Standard Time on March 18th and were selected. So what that tells me is that getting your name in at the beginning of March or whether it was at the very last hour of this, this period of application, uh, it really didn't matter. Um, I've heard that selection rates are hovering somewhere around 25%. Um, which leads me to believe that this number is going to be well over 110,000 that we're going to see total number. Um, so again, kind of going back through it, if, if you haven't already received notification, um, as of this point, the, the odds are that you're most likely not selected. Um, so that means you're going to have to hold out hope that uh, uh, eventually sometime 
I'm uh, in in the middle end of July. If there is an, a second lottery that's held, um, that hopefully your name would be called at that point. So a lot going on as we've seen this timeline. Um, it's created uh, a lot of moving parts here from an electronic submission through a paper application, expected delays and receipt notifications. So there's just a lot going on here. Um, but if you're an OPT or OPT STEM and you're in CapGap and you were selected, notified of selection, good news for you. Um, the biggest thing is that that application be submitted before the expiration and that uh, there, there is validation of a shipping notification. Um, that'll help you extend that, that cap gap and, and maintain your work authorization until your case is approved and you change statuses beginning on October 1st. Uh, so just wanted to ask you again, if you haven't already, make sure you like this video. Um, if you're not, if you're joining me for the first time here, please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't, click the bell for notifications so you're notified anytime we do go live like I have here today on March uh, the 30th, 2022 at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're looking for ways that you can support the H1B Guy platform, if you'd like me to answer one of your questions or, or one of your comments, you can support me via the Super Chat function here on YouTube. If you're watching or listening to this on the H1B Guy podcast or here on YouTube at a later date, um, there are ways to support this platform in the description below, specifically via buymeacoffee.com slash the H1B Guy. Uh, I really appreciate all of our sponsors and contributors to this platform. Uh, anything that is received is reinvested back into the technology that helps bring these live streams to you. Um, so really appreciate everyone who's taken time here to, to jump in and join me here this afternoon. I definitely want to get to your questions and comments, but I did want to move on to another news release that USCIS also put out yesterday, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And it is in reference to USCIS addressing their significant processing and backlog delays. Uh, so the news release is titled USCIS announces new actions to reduce ba backlogs, expand premium processing, and provide relief to work permit holders. Quote, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services is announcing a trio of efforts to increase efficiency and reduce burdens to the overall legal immigration system. USCIS will set new agency-wide backlog reduction goals, expand premium processing to additional form types, and work to improve timely access to employment authorization documents. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic and resource constraints resulting from the prior administration, USCIS inherited a significant number of pending cases and increased processing times. Through today's actions by the Biden administration, USCIS is acting to reduce these caseloads and processing times while also ensuring that a fair and efficient services are available to applicants and petitioners. Reducing processing backlogs in order to reduce processing, uh, the agency is pending caseload. USCIS is establishing new internal cycle time goals this month. These goals are internal metrics that guide the backlog reduction efforts of the USCIS workforce and affect how long it takes the agency to process cases. As cycle times improve, processing times will follow and applicants and petitioners will receive decisions on their cases more quickly. USCIS will increase capacity, improve technology, and expand staffing to achieve these new goals by the end of fiscal year 2023. 
So that'd be the end of Sept or the end of next September, September 2023. The agency's publicly posted processing times show the average amount of time it took USCIS to process a particular form from when the agency received the application until a decision was made on the case. Internally, USCIS monitors a number of pending cases in the agency's workload through a metric called cycle times. A cycle time measures how many months worth of pending cases for a particular form are awaiting a decision. An internal management metric, cycle times are generally comparable to the agency's publicly posted medium processing times. Cycle times are what the operational division of USCIS used to gauge how much process the agency is or is not making on reducing our backlog and overall case processing times. In reference to expanding premium processing, uh, the Department of Homeland Security announced a final rule that aligns premium processing regulations with the Emergency Stopgap USCIS Stabilization Act, the rule fees and adjudication timeframes by, by Congress. Premium processing is an expedited adjudication service now available only to petitioners in filing a form I-129, Petition for Non-Immigrant Worker, and a certain employment-based immigrant visa petitioners filing a form I-140, immigrant petition for alien workers. This final rule expands the categories of forms ultimately eligible for premium processing services, excuse me, including form I-539, application to extend change non-immigrant status, form I-765, application for employment authorization, and additional classifications under I, uh, the form I-140. USCIS intends to begin implementing through a phased approach, premium processing availability for Form I-539, Form I-765, and Form I-140 in fiscal year 2022. USCIS will also adhere to the congressional requirement that the expansion of premium processing must not cause an increase in processing times for regular immigration benefit requests. USCIS plans to begin this phased implementation process by expanding premium processing eligibility to form I-140 filers requesting EB-1 immigrant classification as a multi-executive or manager, so that's EB-1C, or EB-2 immigrant classification as a member of professions with advanced degrees or exceptional abilities seeking a natural national interest waiver, EB-2NIW. Improving access to employment-based uh, authorization documents is also a, a included here in this news release, and it says USCIS continues to make progress towards a temporary final rule currently named temporary increase of the automatic extension period of employment authorization and documentation for certain renewal applicants. In recent months, USCIS has begun streamlining many EAD processes, including extending validity periods for certain EADs and providing expedited work authorization renewals for healthcare and child care workers. The temporary final rule aims to build on this progress and to ensure certain individuals will not lose their work authorization status while their applications are pending. So this is a lot to unpack. Um, there is, there's no doubt about it. Um, the most interesting thing to me is the, the, the continued use of COVID-19 as a crutch and an excuse. Also, uh, putting blame on the previous administration when, for those of you who have followed this platform or channel for any amount of time, um, are aware that, that this predates the Trump administration and goes back to the Obama administration. Um, so, again, 
lack of accountability from the Biden administration, lack of accountability from the bureaucrats within USCIS. As I've said for a long time, there was a systemic cultural issue going on uh, that the current director was definitely dealt a, a pretty challenging and difficult hand. But we have not seen processing uh, increases, delays reduced in any manner whatsoever in more than a year of the current administration uh, being in charge. What we have seen, though, is an increase in approval ratings, right? You look at the denial rates uh, for new H-1Bs, for continuing H-1Bs, extensions and amendments, and, and those numbers are significantly up. Uh, but with that being said, that the, the EAD delays and the overall processing delays, the change of status delays that are happening are happening because of lack of accountability. Uh, while they may say it's lack of resources, to me, it's a lack of accountability. So their solution here is to do what? Charge you, the individual, more. And they do that because USCIS is funded on a fee-based model. And that model is really reliant on premium processing as one of its most profitable avenues for revenue generation. So I think the thing here that's really interesting when we look at what's going on is you, you start to look at, well, they're going to start with EB1C and EB2 NIW. I, I don't know um, for the I-140 for both of those categories, and, and I don't foresee there to be uh, a, a, an extreme demand on premium processing for, for either one of those. So my thoughts are, why not start with the, the, the I-539? Why not start with the I-765? Reduce some of these backlogs that have been created for individuals who are willing to put down the fee um, and, and request the premium processing, okay? The biggest thing here to me, though, is that there is an issue. There's executive orders in place. Um, there is a lot going on as, as it looks like behind the scenes um, to try to do what they can to reduce some of these processing backlogs. Uh, but to me, this this is this is something we've been talking about. And I go back to um, I did a, a live stream where I talked about rumors back in September and. I was hearing back then that H4 premium processing was going to become available sometime in the beginning of the fiscal year. So here we are six months removed from that post. And now we're catching uh, an update that USCIS is now on the record to say by the end of next fiscal year. So September 2023, there's going to be a phased approach. So to me, that basically says you're probably not looking at uh I-765 premium processing for H-4 EADs until most likely 2024. Um, it's a really interesting uh, uh, update here that we see from USCIS and, you know, really what their plans are, as, as they say, to address the current backlogs that are that are in place. We add that to the other news release where it talks about experiencing delays and receiving confirmations of receipt. And to me, that should just be an expectation. And that expectation should be that upon receiving a, 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 a shipping notification, a delivery notification, a receipt notice should be generated because individuals are waiting to turn in notice when we're talking about transfers specifically. Um, they're waiting to turn in notice uh, dependent upon receiving that confirmation of receipt. 
from USCIS, which they can track, you know, via the their my USCIS account. So a lot of moving parts here, but ultimately I do believe that, that there will be some good that will come from this. The fact that there is attention from the administration on reducing these processing backlogs, the fact that they are going to expand premium processing uh, across uh, I-539, across I-765, across I-140, um, I, I think that these are good things. Now, a lot of you say, hey, that, that means that they're just charging me more. Well, I also look at premium processing as peace of mind. And that means that if you're willing to pay that fee, you're willing to pay the, the two, 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 five or whatever they're going to charge here. Uh, if you're willing to pay that fee for your own sanity and peace of mind, I support that. If you have the financial means to do so, I always say go for premium processing if it's not going to put you in financial hardship. And the reason why is because you look at the graph that's included in the link and you can follow that that source link in the video description do you look at the graph and they show you some of the processing times um, that are that are out there and, and i think that that's the thing that really becomes really staggering as you look at these the new cycle time goals so they're looking to have h1b's approved and premium of course in two weeks i-140 the same but when we start to talk about regular processing they're saying two months or 60 days and then three months on these i-765s and the i-539s those are individuals waiting on work authorization and then if you look at the i-140 and non-premium that could be up to six months so if i'm you and i'm sitting here going i'm getting ready to file my i-140 i would pay the premium to go from two weeks versus six months. It sounds crazy, but time is money. It's something we talk about a lot, uh, that, that time is money. And it, sometimes you just have to be willing to, to bet on yourself here and, and to say that I'm willing to pay for the premium uh, and get your case adjudicated faster. So uh, I wanna jump into your questions and comments now. Um, if you have any questions or comments, I know several of you have dropped them already in the chat. I want to spend the next, you know, 15 to 20 minutes here walking through your questions and comments. Um, I do have a hard stop at 245, which is roughly about uh, 18 to, to 20 minutes here. Um, but please feel free, drop your questions or comments here in the chat. I definitely want to get to those. As I mentioned earlier, if you haven't already, please like this video. Make sure you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Uh, if you're looking for ways that you can support the H1B Guy platform, if you enjoy this content and want to continue to see more of it, um, you can do so through the Super Chat function here currently on YouTube. If you're watching this live stream, if you're catching this at a later date, you can do so, uh, support the channel. There's ways to do so in the video description below. I also wanted to take time again right now to thank our sponsors, uh, which is Syndesis and Path to Canada. A quick reminder that on next Friday, April the 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern, um, I'm going to be doing the H-1B Guy Live, a case for Canada. I'm going to be joined by Daniel Mandelbaum, a Canadian immigration attorney, as well as my good friend uh, Mark Pavlopoulos from Syndesis and Path to Canada. So we're going to talk about some new things that we haven't discussed previously when I've had Mark on 
If you're somebody whose H-1B wasn't picked up in this lottery, if your OPT is going to expire and you don't think you you can wait until mid-end of July uh, for a possibility of a second lottery, I advise you to come join that live stream April the 8th at 1 p.m. Ask your questions, ask your comments. Uh, two very uh, brilliant individuals that can really help talk about why they think Canada is a plan A. Don't agree with them on that. I still think here in the U.S. we are the plan A, um, but I do realize that our system is not as conducive and not as friendly, and sometimes you come here and you need to know what your options are, and that's why the partnership with Syndesis and Path to Canada makes so much sense, is that they are the best at helping either find you a job in Canada or relocating your job um, here in the U.S. to Canada. Um, so please make plans to join us. Again, that's April the 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, so let's just jump right into these questions here. I know I see a bunch of them. Um, I'm going to pull it up and just kind of roll through it. And as I, as I keep going, please make sure that uh, you drop any additional questions or comments in here. Any of your H1B lottery, or lottery questions, comments, timeframes. Um, if you're curious about the premium processing and, and USCIS's news release in an effort to uh, update and reduce their backlogs. Hey, uh, Raghavendra, how are you, my friend? Uh, will the result will the results come countrywide? Because the website says results are out, but we have not gotten results yet. Yeah, I, I don't want to break the bad news to you, but if you haven't already heard, you most likely were not selected. Um, the only reason that you may not have heard is, is your employer could potentially be out or the attorney hasn't heard, but... Um, it's finalized. All selections are done. 85,000 names have been selected and those individuals have been notified. Okay. Uh, so if you haven't already heard Ragavendra, unfortunately, you probably weren't selected. But again, I would say by Friday is kind of the, or tomorrow even. Um, if you haven't heard by tomorrow, I, again, you know, the bad news here is that you most likely were not selected. Yep. Navneet's correct. Results are out. And uh, yeah, I, I got the mail from from employers. Results are out. And unfortunately, it was not selected. Yeah, again, it kind of goes back to Navneet, some of the odds that, that we're talking about, you know, 25, 27 percent odds. Um, you know, this is this is the unfortunate part of that, where you look at 300,000 plus names are most likely submitted, yours being one of those and only 85,000 slots. It's it's what creates um, this really high demand at what is puts an extreme value on the H-1B visas that are that are awarded um, annually. Does anyone knows when second round will happen? Yeah, I just covered that earlier. So if we go back to. Um, what I talked about, you've, you, the portal opens, not portal, but application period opens April 1st for paper applications to be submitted by the petitioners on behalf of the beneficiaries. That will close on June 30th. So again, second lottery, we're probably looking at anywhere between July 15th um, through July 31st would be the window that I would give you. Probably somewhere between the 18th and the 25th, though, if you're looking for like an exact date. Um, we'll continue to monitor that. I'll continue to prognosticate on that and speculate on when that will happen. But ultimately, I don't see a lot of changes in that timeline. We've seen that kind of be the case um, now over the last uh, two previous electronic selections that were held. 
Hey, sweet seller, how are you? How long does it take field office to approve the I-485? Yeah, this seems to be a real point of contention right now. Um, way back when, I used to say that that this was, you know, nine to 12 months. Um, but you're hearing some of these horror stories of folks that submitted back in October of 2020 uh, and still haven't received an approval or an update. Um, the good news for those individuals, though, is that, you know, their adjustment of status has been pending for more than 180 days. It makes them eligible for um, an employment authorization document with advanced parole rights. Um, so not to deflect your question, um, but this looks like it's taking anywhere between 12 to 24 months um, at, at this point. I mean, if we just go back to that October 2020 rule um, and look at where we are currently, I mean, you're you're roughly 18 months now removed from those filings. And, and there are still many um, that, that have not received uh, an update in, in many, many months. Um, of course, we've talked about Texas and Nebraska service centers experiencing these atrocious delays um, and everything that, that kind of goes along with that subsequently creating um, a domino effect for, for individuals who are pending um, that, that I-485. Hey, Luis, attorney told me that still no notification on my application are still any real possibilities to be selected. Yeah, this is the bad news here, um, Luis. And, and that means this, um, you know, ultimately, you probably were not picked up in this first uh, this first selection. Um, the possibilities would be if you haven't heard by tomorrow, then that answer is a definitively no, you weren't selected in the first round. Um, I would also say that that the odds, you know, of, of second lottery occurring are extremely high. Uh, so I think that that would lend itself to you probably, again, as I just talked about, anywhere between uh, July 15th and July 31st. A again, a smaller window of time, the 18th to the 25th. I think a second lottery uh, will most likely happen. And until that takes place, uh, there's still a possibility of you being picked up for fiscal year 2023. But at this point, if you haven't heard, the attorney hasn't heard, you weren't selected. Hey, uh, Jenna Harden, how are you? Will it create problem of multiple registrations done through different employers and selected for one? No, it should not. The biggest thing here is that if you were selected for one, that only or two that only one can actually submit um, the physical paper petition. If multiple do, it goes back to the first one that's received and all others are subsequently rejected. So I would check with, um, you know, those employers that maybe submitted your name in. If you were selected for one, I'd work very closely with that employer to make sure that they do respond because of how difficult it is to be selected. And this will jeopardize. Um, you going forward, you would not be eligible for a subsequent second lottery. Um, so if, if you were selected here, uh, this is where you need to work closely with that employer and make sure that that paper petition gets filed. Hey, Efron, how are you? My status is still submitted. Does that mean I still got a chance or does do they change the status if you're selected or not selected? Yeah, your status Submitted means that you were not selected in this first round, uh, but there is still a possibility of you being selected if additional 
selection processes are held again kind of going back to that second lottery right that that term that we're using second lottery um that would mean again time frame wise you're looking at um mid-july through the end of july for a second lottery to be held um, and this will be something where uscis will just hold that lottery and then they'll notify attorneys um, legal representatives, as well as the petitioners of a selection. And we'll see a notice on USCIS, uh, a news release that says that they held a second lottery. Um, I still think that's a high probability when we look at response rates, um, you know, hovering anywhere between 70 to 80 percent in the first round. Uh, it still means that there's going to be several thousand um, numerical allocations that will be available. And, and so that's when they'll hold that second selection. Again, the 90-day window running from April 1st to June 30th dictates this, but that's your time frame. Um, right now, I'd say you were not selected, but as you start to look forward and try to figure out what your plans are, um, we're looking at uh, mid-July to the end of July with a possibility of a second lottery being held um, and notifications that would follow from that. So hope that helps. Uh, can I get OPT for a master's degree CPT, even if I've had OPT previously from my BS? Yes, you can work. Uh, you, you would not be eligible for OPT, but you could work under CPT is my understanding. Um, the curriculum practical training has a few different regulations. Again, if you're thinking about this, I would make sure that your DSO designated school official uh, is aware of your previous status. I'm assuming you probably got a bachelor's degree, maybe a bachelor's of science um, and worked under OPT for 12 months and that potentially expired. But the CPT is one of those options that we talk about. If you are a failed lottery case and your OPT is expiring, you know, U.S. institutions will gladly welcome you back and take your money as an international student. There's many programs out there that allow part-time CPT and full-time work. Unfortunately, you would forego any OPT eligibility if working full-time under CPT, uh, but it does make you eligible for subsequent lotteries. So if you're working under CPT next time this, uh, you know, next January, February, you could be, you could go into the H-1B lottery again next year if, if working for that employer under a CPT designation. I hope that helps. Sanjay says, uh, Jaron, nope. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, uh, um, that doesn't create a problem, right? It, it's, uh, it gives you the option. Sweet seller asks, can a 485 case move to a number of field offices before getting approved? My understanding was it moves to one field office and that would be the final destination. Yeah, this is all about uh, case cases unloading. Um, you know, ultimately, I think the, the big thing here is um, the workload and the and the the rerouting of these cases. I, I'm curious, were you at, at Texas Service Center and and do you did you go somewhere? Was your case routed somewhere else? Um, but yeah, that generally is a final destination. If I, I, I've not seen cases routed to a third field office before, um, but I have seen them moved around um, Vermont, Texas, Nebraska. Um, California, I've, I've, I've seen them moved around, but I've not seen them moved around more than once. Voice not audible. Well, did my stream cut out? Can everyone hear me? Will you let me know in the chat? I just want to make sure. Um, 
if I'm having any issues. It, it looks like my stream quality is good from what I can tell right now. Um, all Are all H-1Bs exclusive for workers inside the U.S.? No, you don't have to be inside the U.S. to be selected. Um, but you, the job is for a role here in the U.S., if that makes sense. Does applying for the lottery every year increase your odds or are you just back to zero? Yeah, the odds are the same, right? I mean, you know, there, there's mathematicians out there who have done a lot of deeper dive on this. But ultimately, we look at over the last three years, um, odds have been anywhere between 27 to 30 percent. And that's just based on selection rate. That's based on the number of applications received and the number of H-1B visas that are available from a numerical allocation for each fiscal year. Um, I've done some math uh, that's that's calculations based on second lotteries and what those odds are. The odds actually decrease with the second lottery and a third lottery and because it's just based on the amount of visas that are um, that are available and then they they keep the same pool. Uh, from those previously selected. So um, yeah, literally it, it's one of those where your odds are the same every year, but the more your name goes into that lottery, your probability most likely increases just because of the, the amount of selections that have occurred during that period of time. Hey, Nermit. Um, hello, sir. Why do I think a second lottery is likely to be conducted? Um, a few reasons. Here's why. One, over the last two previous lotteries that have been held for fiscal year 2021, there were two lotteries. For fiscal year 2022, there were three lotteries. Um, when you look at response rates that have been between 70 to 80 percent from round one, it's lending itself to a second round to be held. And a lot of that is there's a very low barrier to entry when we're talking about a $10 non-refundable fee for petitioners. Uh, so I just think the odds are that this is kind of the new norm for us. A, a subsequent second lottery will most likely be held at the end of July. I can't guarantee it, but I think there are very high odds. And if I were a betting man, I would bet a lot that there is going to be a second lottery held for this year. Yes, loud and clear. Thank you. I appreciate your response there. Um, I was at the National Benefit Center. My case moved to Cincinnati field office. I don't live in Cincinnati and not even in Ohio. Hence, I was a little confused by the, the movement. Yeah, so there I read something about this like a month or two ago where they talked about that certain um, field, certain centers were going to be moving these cases to field offices that had the bandwidth with a lower caseload. I wouldn't be alarmed by this in any way. It actually may be a really good thing for you. Um, you may be in a situation where uh, you, you, you could get your I-485 process faster than if you just stayed with the NBC. So I hope that helps. Yes, Marnie on CPT here in the U.S. Didn't get in the lottery last time or this time. Uh, CPT ends spring next year. I've already done OPT in two years of STEM OPT. Yeah, that's um, a shame you didn't get in this year, but I would make sure uh, that you get in next year. Otherwise, you know, my best advice for you is join me next Friday um, on April 8th at 1 p.m. for the case for Canada and start considering what your plan B options are if you haven't already. I got selected, but I applied by myself, um, opened on USCIS website. What should I do now? 
I'm not aware of anyone who has been selected that self-applied, but if I'm you, I am making sure that I am in communication with an immigration attorney. If you need one, please feel free to contact me via my website and I can refer one to you. So that's all the time I have for today. I appreciate every one of you who took a time to drop a question or comment here in the chat. Um, results are out. If you weren't selected or you haven't been notified, you most likely were not picked up. Good news is your options are a second lottery, or you can join me next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern um, on April the 8th uh, as I host Daniel Mandelbaum and Mark Pavlavopoulos from Syndesis and Path to Canada, and we'll talk about the case for Canada. Um, with that being said, I would like to remind everyone that today's live stream was brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're looking for a plan B, if your H-1B is possibly uh, has a chance of being denied, or if your OPT is expiring or your CPT is expiring, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B. And Syndesis and Path to Canada are viable options for you. If, if you want to find out if you qualify, please use the link in the video description below and someone from Syndesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. And also by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you're looking to reduce your costs and overhead associated with PERM labor certification recruitment advertising, let perm-ads.com help you. Just wanted to thank all of you who have joined me today. If you're still watching, thank you so much for your continued support. I really appreciate it. On Friday, be on the lookout for the H-1B Guy Forecast, May 2022 Visa Bulletin Employment-Based Predictions. Again, thank you for your continued support. I cannot do this without you. If you haven't already, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live like we did today on March the 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm Robert. I'm the H1B Guy, your global source for all things H1B.